Welcome to the Thinking Differently podcast, where we explore the new horizons of our rapidly changing world. I'm Rod Collins, your host for today's podcast. As technological innovations continue to transform the rules for how successful businesses work, we challenge business leaders to rethink how they remain competitive in a digitally transformed marketplace. Welcome back to another episode in our series on digital transformation. Whether we're ready to acknowledge it or not, digital transformation, the fundamental socioeconomic architectural shift from top-down hierarchies to -to peer-to-peer networks, is dramatically disrupting all the rules for how the world works. At the heart of what many call digital disruption is this unsettling reality. Most of our beliefs about how things work become rapidly obsolete once an institution is fully disrupted. For example, if you are a musician, the old rule said you could only make it big if you were noticed and signed by a major record label. Today, a good home recording device, a viral YouTube video, and an online digital music distribution platform allow musicians to build an audience and completely bypass the traditional industry players. For over two centuries, the old rules of the established gatekeepers of high-priced encyclopedias dictated that only a small group of academic elites would be recognized as purveyors of the world's knowledge. Today, The planet's most widely used encyclopedia is produced by the collective wisdom of the crowd and available to everyone for free. Both of these examples are very familiar to us because the media industry has the distinction of being the first business sector to feel the full effects of digital disruption. And something else we've learned that's equally unsettling is that In addition to upending the rules for how things work, digital disruption has a tendency to eliminate large numbers of jobs when they suddenly become unnecessary in digitally transformed markets. As the powerful forces of digital disruption continue to create unprecedented capabilities such as the Internet of Things, artificial intelligence, nanotechnology, and robotics, we are likely to see the emergence of a pressing worldwide social problem, a dramatic and permanent reduction in the number of jobs across all industries and institutions. Within the next two decades, it's highly likely that advances in robotics and the proliferation of home 3D printers will eliminate most manufacturing jobs. Amazon is currently experimenting with cashier-less stores, a harbinger of the coming massive reduction in service jobs. And perhaps most surprising and unexpected will be the extensive eradication of professional jobs as knowledge workers are displaced by the smarter and faster capabilities of artificial intelligence. For example, 
artificial intelligence could fully replace actuaries inside insurance companies. After all, why would we need highly paid experts in advanced statistical sampling methods to spend hours and days estimating expected insurance claims when AI could measure the entire universe of insurance activity in real time. It shouldn't surprise us that as we enter a new economic age, jobs may become obsolete because the notion that people receive economic value for providing time in mass production enterprises is an invention of the Industrial Revolution. For the most part, there were no hourly wages or annual salaries in the agrarian age. Technology revolutions breed economic revolutions, which often spawn new ways to create economic value and new vehicles to distribute the new value. The invention of the job was the new vehicle for the industrial age. While we have seen how the digital age is creating new and massive opportunities for wealth, what remains to be seen is how we can better distribute that wealth. The expected dramatic reduction in traditional employment doesn't necessarily mean that work disappears. Work will continue to be an important dimension of day-to-day life but its context is likely to be very different in a digitally transformed world. Like the folded example referenced in an earlier episode, our economic contributions are likely to happen within the context of a radically different economic role, the gamer. While the role of the gamer may seem foreign or even far-fetched, Being a contributor is something to which we can all relate because so many of us are already contributors to various internet venues such as Google, Facebook, and Instagram. As we shift economic paradigms, what needs to change is the opportunity to be paid for these contributions. The role of the gamer may be a tangible way to affect that change and may become a very lucrative pathway to middle-class wealth in the very near future. For those born before the 1990s, the idea that participation in games could become the conduit for middle-class wealth might seem bizarre. That's because most of us view games as recreational pastimes that serve as diversions from real-world work. Games are what we do when we want to entertain ourselves or we need to keep our children occupied. In the past, games were about sitting around a table playing cards or board games. Games also included playing on sports teams, in basketball or softball leagues, or participating in online fantasy football leagues. Unless you are a professional athlete or a professional gambler, for most adults, games have not been considered 
serious activities. However, those who were born after 1990 and who have grown up with the Internet have a very different perspective. They understand that games can be powerful and highly productive platforms for mass collaboration. A few years back, Jane McGonigal wrote a book with the intriguing title, Reality is Broken, Why Games Make Us Better and How They Can Change the World. Most of us would be surprised to learn that according to McGonigal, gamers spend more time today compiling collective intelligence than anyone else. Because one of the distinguishing attributes of networks is their capacity to leverage the extraordinary speed and intelligence of the crowd, that understanding the thinking and the activities of those who are most involved in compiling collective intelligence is a good way to begin to acclimate to the new realities of the coming economy. McGonagall suggests new developments in online video games can make significant contributions to boosting the productivity of many business organizations. That's because today's online games are increasingly collaborative efforts and have two things in common with successful businesses. First, a clear goal, and second, actionable steps toward achieving that goal. McGonagall cites the real-world example of how one business used gaming technology to quickly solve what appeared to be an insurmountable problem. In the summer of 2009, the Guardian newspaper had obtained leaked documents that pointed to widespread expense fraud among the members of the British Parliament. To appease public outrage, the MPs, as they are known, engaged in a bit of gamesmanship by providing the newspaper with an unsorted electronic data dump of more than a million expense forms for claims from the previous four years. Knowing it was impossible for their reporters to make sense of the data dump, the Guardian decided it would crowdsource the effort by developing a game called Investigate Your MP's Expenses and invite all British citizens to participate. The response was astounding. Within a few days, more than 20,000 participants were able to quickly sort through the records and identify several probable perpetrators among the MPs. The collaborative work of the gamers led to the resignation of at least 28 MPs, criminal proceedings against four MPs, and the repayment of over a million British pounds by hundreds of other MPs. While the Guardian gamers volunteered their contributions, this example shows how games can be a highly efficient way of working. Once business leaders grasp the power of this new model, 
They may use similar gaming applications to solve what have been intractable problems and be willing to pay gamers for their contributions. According to McGonagall, very big games represent the future of collaboration and may be the best hope for solving the most complex problems of our time. Another likely candidate for gaming applications is blockchain technology. As blockchain evolves and becomes more ubiquitous as the fundamental platform for information systems, we will need to build a robust proof-of-truth mechanism that better validates the content of transactions to replace the current cumbersome and energy-intensive proof-of-work mechanisms. With the current proof-of-work mechanisms, the content of the data in the block is not actually verified. Rather, blockchain makes hacking and fraud arduous by using a competitive methodology that involves using computer power to solve a difficult math problem. Once the problem is solved and the miners' consensus of the correct solution is established by their moving on to solve the math problem associated with the next block, the data is then recorded into the distributed ledger and the author of the solution is paid in cryptocurrency. Because the work is rigorous and the recording of the block is immutable, the incredibly high degree of difficulty to commit fraud is simply not worth the effort to a potential fraudster. A proof-of-truth mechanism, on the other hand, would improve upon the current practice by creating a consensus methodology to verify the content of the data in the block before recording the data in the distributed ledger. Sophisticated AI technology might be able to calculate the value of the contributions of the many gamers verifying the truth of the data and pay cryptocurrency to all the contributors accordingly. Transforming blockchain miners into gamers may be the practical vehicle for incentivizing the effort necessary to make a proof-of-truth mechanism work on a very large scale. Don and Alex Tapscott, the authors of the book Blockchain Revolution, describe other ways that games could be used to create economic value. For example, Nike could use blockchain and gamer technology to generate and store data on a distributed ledger that both the company and its customers could monetize as agreed in smart contracts. Or Nike could offer a tiny piece of its shares with every pair of its shoes if the consumer would agree to activate the smarts in the shoes or even sync the shoes to other wearables, such as a heart monitor. These are just some of the innovative ways that all of us, rather than just the founders and the investors, could share in the new wealth created by digital transformation. And while being a gamer may seem like a strange way to make a living, if both paid the same, which would you rather do?
follow somebody else's orders as a compliant worker, or have fun playing games. Thanks for listening today. Please join us next week for another episode where we will share more engaging stories about the new rules for successfully leading businesses in a rapidly changing world. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.